0: Who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. Hey, hey! Oh, okay. okay. All right, it's Sting. Okay, it's ding! It's this is where the big boys play, huh?
1: Look at the adjective, play.
0: Put the butts in the seat. <laughs> Self high five. We've been hanging and banging, brother. You're next. Watch real monsters go at it live on WCW Monday Nitro, where the big boys play every Monday night at 8 on TNT. Hello and welcome once again to Nitro Nights, a podcast looking back at WCW from the very first episode of Monday Nitro to the very last, taking in every episode of Thunder, every Clash of Champions, every pay-per-view, etc, etc, along the way. I am Sai, and joining me as always is Colin McCaldy himself, the Scottish juggalo, Scottish Danny. How are we doing this week, my friend?
1: I'm really good, thank you, sir. How are yourself?
0: Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. We've got some quite interesting stuff to discuss this week, haven't we? As we're heading very, very quickly into Halloween Havoc 95, only a couple of weeks away from uh from the nitro we're talking about today, isn't it?
1: Yep, it is. It's uh just uh I think two episodes left.
0: That's right, that's right. Yeah, heading very quickly to the silliness that is Halloween Havoc 95. But uh, that's for the future. That's for the future today. The present we are looking at the october 16th 1995 episode of monday nitro it got 2.2 tv ratings worth on the monday night as opposed to raw's 2.6 rating on the same evening and this is again just a very quick one hour episode of nitro so you take the adverts away as they do on the wwe network and you blitz through it in 45 minutes as these early nitros all tend to do um so danny what, what were your thoughts? I mean, we, we started off with a recap, didn't we, of Sting deciding he's going to partner with Flair?
1: Yeah, I would actually like to see this. I'm not sure if it's on the WWE Network. This was on uh, WWE Pro, which I'm I've sure, seen yeah. uh, none of, but um, <laughs> it actually looked like a really good segment. Um, what did you think about it, sir? I
0: mean, it's, it's interesting because obviously Sting and Flair have got so much history through the years, you know, and, and Flair effectively helped make Sting back in the like in the, you know, the late 80s, early 90s, you know, around his injury and the whole Robocop silliness was involved in Flair and the Horseman and all that as well. But it's interesting seeing Sting sort of join forces with his his nemesis of so long, I guess. Well, not, not obviously we'll get to it because the main event of the, of the evening, isn't it? Talking about Flair last week said he was going to take on Arn Anderson and Brian Pillman in a handicap match or he'll get a partner or it'll be a handicap match or he might get a partner. And it just kind of rambled on like that. So this is obviously on WCW Pro, sometime before Monday Nitro. He's asking Sting to help him out. Quite interesting. I mean, WCW Pro, I don't know a great deal about, it, to be honest. I always tend to sort of forget it ever existed until something like this pops up. And then I'm like, oh yeah, WCW Pro.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's like it looked like a Velocities type of show, didn't it?
0: Yeah, I imagine it is like a syndicated sort of effort, same as like a worldwide was for them and, and stuff like that. Maybe I imagine I have to look more into it for for next time we speak. But uh, yeah, that sort of opens the show, and then rather unlike Nitro, normally we go straight into a match. Normally we we see the commentators and they will have a bit of a chin wag, but we go straight into a, a TV title match with the champion Diamond Dallas Page, accompanied by the Diamond Doll. Coming down to the ring, and he's facing the challenge of Johnny B. Bad. Uh, John, talk us through what happened here, Danny, because we didn't actually get much of a contest at all, did we?
1: No, we didn't. Um, there was, uh, I think, there was just one move, wasn't there? That was DDP cl- clubbing uh, Johnny B. Bad's head right in to uh, get the um, disqualification uh, in.
0: Yeah, he nailed him with the title belt, didn't he? As Johnny B. Bad was going through his sort of free match ritual posing effort i suppose he's, he's i mean i, I think johnny would be bad if he was if this character was around nowadays he's. he'd be a half and safety nightmare wcw would be getting sued left right and center because he's shooting off glitter guns into the crowd he's throwing yeah. frisbees into the audience That's gonna take someone's tough out and, and in, in today's age he's getting sued isn't he let's be honest
1: yeah he really is uh there'll be all groups types of groups of people coming after him <laughs>
0: Well, there's blame as a claim, my friend. Um, <laughs> yeah, Bard gets clobbered with the TV title as he's pointing to the audience and playing to the crowd. That, effectively, the matches are no contest or Page is listed as being disqualified. We'll never really 100% find out what is discussed there. But Page does cover Johnny B. Bard and count the pin himself as the Diamond Doll looks on, quite visibly not amused by the actions of Page, I think.
1: I noticed that as well. I think um, there's maybe something uh, coming in. there. I mean, these two have been feuding for a while now, haven't they? Because they mm. squared off at that pay-per-view we covered um, for Brawl. So um, I wonder if this... W- I don't see this being a feud ender, but I wonder what's yet to come.
0: No, I mean, they, they mentioned, didn't they, that Page will get his comeuppance at Halloween Havoc. So, I mean, whereas it's not officially been announced on any WCW TV that we've seen, I'm assuming that's where we're going page or face bad again at halloween havoc i'm assuming but we'll find that out in future weeks no doubt we then go straight into another match don't we pretty much straight away it's all action so far isn't it on this episode night show it seems it seems really fast and pacey and lots of stuff going on you know
1: yeah it really is this match uh just to uh, not to give a spoiler but this was the best match of the night to me. Um, uh do you want to tell us who's in there because I know um, I have a habit of not naming one of them correctly but uh, who was who finding this <laughs> match si? uh
0: Eddie Guerrero is facing someone there describing as making their debut I don't know whether it's a Nitro debut or I think somebody said WCW debut which isn't strictly accurate but it's a new contract for him I suppose and that is the obviously quite controversial figure of uh chris benoit now with regards to benoit we all know how his life ended and how hideous it was i don't want to touch upon that or cover that i'm a big fan of benoit the wrestler and i i can kind of separate watching benoit's matches from what happens with benoit the person at the end of his life however you know sometimes it's it's not very comfortable sometimes it's not very good uh, to sort of sit through that sort of thing but, however, this match here, as you explained, Danny, it was the best match of the night, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just, just something you said there, are you saying that this wasn't uh, Chris Benoit's um, debut in Doves W? Did he wrestle before?
0: Yeah, he'd been, uh, I think I think there was a Super Brawl event he wrestled on. and um, But he was billed as being from New Japan at that point. I think it might have been Super Brawl 1 or Super Brawl 2, so a couple of years yeah. previous to this. But it was he was billed as being from New Japan at that point. So wow. that would explain a great deal. But yeah, he had been in WCW, even if it's just for a, a one-off at one stage. I think mean, I can't remember who he wrestled. It might have been Brian Pillman he faced, potentially. Oh. Or no, or Brad Armstrong, actually. I think it's Brad Armstrong he faced. And it was a really, really good match. I'll look it up and I'll send you the link. It's actually a very, very wow. good contest.
1: Thank you very much. Yeah, because there's always those rare matches that you don't see. Even he was—he uh, had a WWF tryout where he wrestled Owen Hart, and yet that has not been released, and that's a match I really
0: would love to see. Yeah, you can imagine that would be a really good con. I mean, ultimately, Benoit was fantastic in the ring. He, you know, his, his 2004 run, winning the Rumble and, and being top of the card and, and the champion and so on, I was fully invested in Chris Benoit when that was going on. I was a huge fan because for me... In-ring work is what's most important. And Benoit was so good in the ring. I just loved watching him wrestle. Owen Hart as well, of course. Fantastically talented guy. Could, could do a little bit of pretty much everything. I imagine that match would have been superb. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, as, as this match was, I guess. I mean, we get flying head scissors, hip tosses that are like lightning quick, with a real snap on them. Uh, Eddie goes from the top rope to the floor, as he did in the previous episode of Nitro we saw. It's just a really, really good contest. We got our first mention of Hulk Hogan during the sh- during this match, but it wasn't to the level of previous weeks where he's getting shoved down our throat. It was just a case of the world champion is going to be in the building. Now that I don't mind because that, that's a decent enough statement to make, I think.
1: Definitely. That's uh, something that um, is going to hook viewers to stay. It's like they used to do that during the Attitude Era a lot. They would say, Cold's on his way to the building or uh, things like that. And um, that's something I think that DovesW did a lot of um, from what I've seen.
0: Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I mean, you're right. It is a good way of hooking viewers and getting them to stay with your program, especially in this era, because we're seeing... Well, well it's, it's the Monday Night War era, isn't it? Where, you know, there's always the option of somebody turning over to the other station. So you're doing your best to keep eyes on your product, I guess. We get quite a nasty fall at one point to the outside from a sort of belly-to-back suplex effort. And both guys go over the top rope to the to the outside. It looked quite nasty. And then Eddie Guerrero, uh, he's, he's got a bad arm, basically, and he hits the ring post with this. So the rest of the match is spent with Benoit working the arm, Eddie desperately trying to protect his arm from Benoit's uh, efforts to hurt him, I suppose. But there's quite a few things in this match I've not seen before. He, he suplexes Eddie Guer- sorry, Benoit suplexes Eddie Guerrero whilst he's in a hammerlock. I-, I thought that was- that looked incredible.
1: That really did, isn't it? I'm the same as you. There was moves in this I'd never seen before. Um, one of the I really enjoyed the chop um, exchange that they both had as well. Um, just a little quick, another quick uh, detail. Um, directly after this match, I paused the WWE Network and I watched. Uh, Ten years after this, they wrestled at ECW One Night Stand, and compared to two matches, this was a lot better.
0: Oh, was it really? Okay, I always remember the One Night Stand match being quite good
1: yeah I, I don't know I, there was for me anyway Resting subjective but I, I enjoyed this a lot better because um yeah. it was just a lot more fast paced and uh, obviously uh by 2005 they were both really really bulked up weren't they
0: mm. yeah that is true that is true i that mean, they i, I don't want to say it's a natural physique because i could be way off i don't want to say it's a a not natural physique and make accusations that i can't back up however Benoit does look quite chiselled here for a guy of quite a small frame, but he's still not as broad-shouldered and as large as he was when you got into the sort of mid-2000s, I guess. So I think that potentially helps with with their movement. And again, like, like you said, Danny, this match is so quick and it's such a back and forth. If they were bigger and heavier, I imagine that would slow them down, wouldn't it?
1: It definitely would, yeah. But both matches are just excellent anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean, ultimately we get the win for Chris Benoit with a full Nelson suplex into a neck bridge, which eventually ended up getting called a dragon suplex, I believe. But at this point, Heenan and Mongo and Bischoff on commentary are all going, what was that? What was that? We've never seen that before. Because it does look spectacular. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of a, a, a probably because of Mr. Perfect growing up, I guess, and, and the Perfect Blacks. but I'm a big fan of a suplex with a net bridge. I just think it always looks amazing. Yeah, it really does. It really does. Yeah. I mean, I, I really enjoyed this match. It, it was, it was a great, great time to be watching this sort of stuff. I mean, 1995, this is groundbreaking wrestling for 995. You've got Shawn Michaels on the other channel doing brilliant stuff. But then you've also got the likes of Mabel and Kevin Nash. And in WCW, you've got the likes of Shark and and so on. So when you see guys doing stuff like this for that time frame, it's like, why? This is this is the future, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it really is. This was uh, two marvellous hires by WCW um, with these two. And uh, two fu- definitely future stars.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. We get Mean Gene in the ring. And he's plugging the WCW hotline, uh, saying that we, you need to give it a ring. Kids, make sure you ask your parents' permission. Uh, but they got to give it a ring and find out about a top WWF official who has left. Now, I'm not 100% sure who they were referring to. I think it could potentially have been J.J. Dillon around this time frame.
1: It was, yeah. But where I had the trouble was with the next uh, tease that he had. Um, could you figure out who was attacked in the parking
0: lot, sir Yes. Yes, that's um, Shawn Michaels. He was in October. I'm assuming it's this incident because it was October 1995 it happened. But Shawn Michaels was beaten up in a car park in Syracuse by a load of... Well, the, the descriptions vary, but it basically ended up seeming like it was a load of military um guys like soldiers there and so on and sean was basically being sean which basically which pretty much entails just being an absolute dickhead and <laughs> they gave him a bit of a pasting and this was um in a bar out in syracuse now that was october 95 that happened so i'm assuming that's what they're referring to here
1: i think you're right yeah that when you said uh the sailors and the and the. um whoever they were, uh, the penny dropped there. And I was thinking, yeah, oh yeah, I do remember hearing vaguely and uh, the one, two, three kid was in a car and uh, David Boy Smith was in the car and they couldn't get out or something like that.
0: That's it, yeah. The bulldog was in the back seat and couldn't get out because only the front doors opened or something and he couldn't tilt the seat. So there's a lot of stuff like that. And Sean took an absolute pasting and ended up in hospital. But then I suppose the moral of the story is, don't be a dickhead. You know, and you won't get your ass kicked, (laughs) in theory. (laughs) Uh, We then have the Giant and Kevin Sullivan coming down to have their little interview segment with Mean Gene. And they're just ranting about Hogan and how they're going to defeat him at Halloween Havoc and how they're going to win the monster truck sumo match and how they're going to claim the title for the Dungeon of Doom. And the note I've got written next to this is just yawn.
1: Yeah, I I write the same thing uh, but I I would say as far as delivery goes Kevin Sullivan's delivery was excellent. It was really the content was horrible, but the delivery himself he
0: knew how to cut a promo, didn't he? Yeah, I mean that's kind of a big part of him really for, for his hold when when he was a more active wrestler. And he was doing his whole Satanist gimmick and so on around the territories. And people were making you know genuine complaints, and he wasn't allowed to perform in certain areas because you know, religious groups were scared of them and all, all this sort of stuff. It all stemmed from his creepy, horrible, evil style promos. And that's very much what Sullivan was about. Now, Sullivan was also booking. Well, not just across the board for WCW, he was booking for so many years as well. The guy has an incredible mind for the business. So don't get me wrong; I, I, I don't respect Kevin Sullivan. However, in 1995, looking the way he does with the painted-on silly eyebrows and all that sort of stuff, and his his, his Flash Gordon-style dressing game he wears to the ring, I don't. I don't need to see the guy wrestle. You know.
1: No, I totally agree with that. It was definitely past his prime.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, following that, we get somebody who, I suppose, is at the other end of their career, just starting eight. We get our little buddy Disco Inferno again, don't we? Popping his yep. head up for a little bit of a boogie. And
1: very little. I thought he was going to do more dancing, but, yeah, he got scared, and rightfully so, of uh, Meng.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't want to be disco dancing in front of Meng at any time in my life same here same here yeah our next contest is, is to me it's really a throwback as well i mean 95 was obviously years ago anyway but this is a throwback to previous times to that we have meng previously known as haku in the wwf wrestling hacksaw jim duggan to me that's that's a real 1989 1990 kind of wwf mid-card match and here we are five years later neither guy looking in the best of shape i suppose but it's very much a punch kick clothesline very simple kind of contest between the two uh how did you find this one Danny
1: what surprised me the most was the ovation that Jim Duggan got in 1995 it was it was like Jeff Hardy had walked through the crowd (laughs) because I was not expecting that I was thinking oh it's outdated um and I always remember the story you told about Jim Duggan uh being patient with fans um, at a um, was it a um, leisure centre or something?
0: Yeah, that's right. I, I I've got utmost respect for Jim Duggan. The guy is one of the nicest, I suppose, wrestlers or stroke celebrities or whatever I've met. He is absolutely superb. He wrestled at my local leisure centre. I've told this story before on other shows, but I haven't for Nitro Nights. So if people are just only listening to this, then I suppose it's worth recapping. He he wrestled at a my local leisure centre maybe two years ago, something like that. So he's pushing 70 at this point. And he's definitely in his mid to late sixties anyway. And he's, he's come over to England and he's working a few small shows and he's, he's resting at the centre there in front of a couple hundred people. And the, the ticket included like a, a meet and greet or I mean, you might have had to buy that extra, I suppose. And you got to go and have your picture taken with uh hacksaw, like a professional shot taken with hacksaw and get your, your stuff signed and have a chat with him meet him and so on now we queued up for a long time we all went in to go and meet jim duggan and halfway through this happening everyone was told that he's only allowed to sign one item from now on because it's taking too much time and they've only got the room until ten thirty at night and this was 20 past 10 so they're struggling to get people free- get get it done and you can see some of the younger kids getting a bit worried a bit upset and so on so jim duggan amazingly said I'll sign you one items now. I'll sign the official pictures that you've got now because that's what I've been told by the organiser, by the promoter I've got to do. However, wait for me out the front and I'll sign anything you want after that. So in the late hours in, in Gloucester, it's not a particularly pleasant place to be hanging around, I'll tell you that. All the lights are off because the leather centre is shut. There's just Hacksaw Jim Duggan stood there in his like tracksuit with probably 50, 60 people around him. All carrying planks of wood, of course, because they've all got two by fours for Jim Duggan to sign. There's this mad mob of blokes with planks of wood. And Jim Duggan s- stayed there and spent as long as we wanted signing stuff, pictures, chatting. He, he, he put together a video for somebody's somebody's friend's birthday. Absolutely fantastic bloke. Absolutely fantastic. Really, really top bloke.
1: No, that is brilliant. I remember that story. Um, I think you told that on UTT. And I'll, I'll, for that, I can't slate this match. <laughs> <laughs> I can <laughs> I really can't. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, it wasn't a five-star classic, obviously. But like you said, it was very punch kick. And um, I was just surprised with the ovation that uh, Duggan got here in
0: 95. Yeah, he, he always did get a good reaction, though. He always was... I suppose the, the term is over, isn't it? I guess he always was very popular, you know, and just a genuinely nice fella. Just a genuinely nice fella. I, I wish him well. I know he's had some health issues and so on, but I, I wish the guy well. He's, he's genuinely top bloke. He was so good with some of the younger kids as well. There was a very, very young child came up to him and said, congratulate. This kid had obviously been practicing what he wanted to say to Jim Duggan all day. You could tell, you know, and he walked over and shook Jim Duggan's hand and said, um, congratulations and well done on winning the first War Rumble and getting into the Hall of Fame. And Jim Duggan was, was like, made up, and he was talking to the kid for ages, and just absolutely brilliant. Really, really great, great person. Really great person. But, uh, yeah, he loses here, doesn't he? A thrust kick and the spike means that Meng picks up the win.
1: It does, and uh, decent. Yeah, good ending as well. It made uh, Meng look strong for the pay-per-view as well.
0: Yeah, gotta keep the Dungeon of Doom looking strong, my friend. That's where the money is. (laughs) It is, yeah. (laughs) Uh, we then get a really odd Hulk Hogan promo. I mean, don't get me wrong; the majority of Hogan promos are odd. He's normally coked off his box, ranting and shouting. You don't really know what the hell he's on about, but it's like a car crash. You can't quite seem to turn away, can you? But this one, he's obviously tapping into the evil in himself. He says to be able to defeat the Dungeon of Doom. So he's still dressed in black. the The Hulk Hogan signage behind him is black. Jimmy Hart is dressed in black. I mean, talk us through a bit of this, Danny. What did you uh, What did you think of this?
1: Absolute chaos, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, the biggest thing that, um, well, there was two things that really stuck out. Was one, he still got the black neck brace, which I don't know if that was spray painted on or whatever it was. Like you don't really see black neck braces, and the, and the second thing was that they're still referring to. Uh, Andre the Giant as uh, the Giant's father, which uh, just annoys the hell out of me, I've got to be honest. But other than that, it was just a typical Hulk uh, promo here, uh, where he casually threatened uh, the Giant that he was going to die and be buried next to his father in uh, France, I'm assuming.
0: Yeah, it's just bizarre, isn't it? I just I don't get on board with this at all, him talking about the the, the dead Andre the Giant and him being buried next to his... his his dead father and so on. It's it's just not a comfortable thing to be watching. He also mentions how he body slammed that dirty, stinky giant's dad in front of 94,000 people at WrestleMania three. I mean, obviously that's not the case. There wasn't 94,000 people there. It was more closer to 93 is what the WWF state. And even that isn't even that isn't accurate. Apparently there's reports that there was less than 80,000 in there. still a great crowd, but it's just funny that Hogan Hogan he has a habit of rewriting history to suit himself, doesn't
1: he? He does. And as you mentioned uh, on the uh, chain the other chain wrestling the other week, um Andre the Giant, didn't he pass away about a couple of days
0: after uh, WrestleMania 3? Oh no, it was Hogan said in his book, I think it was in it was in an interview, and I think he wrote it's actually in print in his book that um I, I'll have to double check that, but he definitely said it in an interview that Andre was passing the torch to him at WrestleMania 3 when Hogan body slammed him and pinned him. And as soon as he knew that he'd passed the torch to Hogan and everything was good for the future, Andre passed away a couple of days later. Now, WrestleMania 3 was in 1987. Andre, a giant, didn't die until 1993. So I'm not quite sure what the hell that's all about.
1: That story always makes me laugh. It just, oh, man.
0: (laughs) Hogan's book should really, honestly, if you ever have a chance to read it, first of all,
1: I have you it, so I have both oh, of them. Oh, okay, have you yeah, read it? hardcover. Re-
0: <laughs> oh, why? It belongs in the fiction section, I think, as opposed to, you know, anything else. But uh,
1: Absolutely, yeah. yep.
0: There we go, Hogan is basically saying that he's tapping into the evil part of him and he's going to get revenge at Halloween Havoc, which is in a couple of weeks, etc., etc., etc. And that brings us to our main event, Danny, doesn't it?
1: Yep, it certainly does. And we have... A cracker of a main event here. I mean, four guys who just classics in ring. Um, we have Arn Anderson and Brian Pillman versus Rick Flair. And maybe somebody else will show up. Hmm. We don't yeah. know.
0: <laughs> well, according to what we saw at the start of the show, Sting was going to tag with Flair. But when Flair comes out, there is no Sting. No one really knows what's going on it's like sting has said yes i will join you we've seen that with our own eyes we've heard him say it at the start of the show but then he's not there so it's like somewhat sting winding him up or a <laughs> <laughs> bit of a dick move isn't it <laughs> it is it is but then something else that sort of stands out to me is after the last few weeks and something that you've pointed out that has annoyed you a great deal is arn anderson gets an entrance i'm sat there watching thinking brilliant Arne Anderson's getting an entrance, his music's playing, he's walking out, and just as he gets halfway down the aisle, they go to a break.
1: <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I good. No, it's like a troll job now,
0: isn't it? <laughs> I, honestly, I was laughing because I was thinking of you as that happened. I was like, I know daddy's going to be sat there fuming.
1: <laughs> oh, I was. Trust me, I was through the remote across the floor.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's, there's no sting, as we said at the start. So, I mean, I think Flair, to be honest, doesn't really look like he needs Sting too much. He basically dominates Arn Anderson and flying and Brian Pillman for the majority of the match on his own, I think.
1: Yeah, he does, doesn't he? He's like, it's, Yeah, as you said, he doesn't need Sting. He's just dominating both of them.
0: Yeah, I mean, there was one moment where um, he he screws up applying a figure four. Did you see that one? He picked the wrong leg up and went the wrong way around and sort of had to stop himself and readjust.
1: Or maybe he did need a tag team partner then. Yeah, Mr. Direct. no, no, Rick,
0: other leg, other leg, Rick. (laughs) The the tide turns eventually. I mean, Flair's dominating with chops and and all sorts. He's coming off the top rope to actually some success, which is very rare for Rick Flair. The tide turns, however, when a kick from the outside from Brian Pillman hits Flair with R Anderson being the legal man in the ring. Oh, and then hits a spinebuster and, and flares in trouble. And that's when Sting does arrive and tags himself in. And the crowd are all about Sting, aren't they? They're going mental, Danny.
1: Oh, that was the pop of the night. That was just, that was insane when they, I mean, no music or anything. He just showed up. The crowd just went wild. It was like, I have a feeling that maybe half of them thought it was just, it was like, maybe he was going to turn heel on Ric Flair. Or uh, what did you okay. think?
0: I don't know. I mean, we had a lot of them screaming, we want Sting throughout the match, didn't they? Because I suppose they've, they've seen WCW Pro and they've heard the, the clips and so on and Sting's supposedly going to be there and then Flair comes out without him. So they're chanting, we want Sting. Then when he arrives, they're going crazy. I thought at one point, because he tags in and Flair's on the outside, isn't he? Flair's on the outside because he's, he's been beaten up. And Sting basically then dominates Anderson and Pillman for a few minutes. And it looks like at one moment that Flair is going to, nail sting as well
1: yeah it did um you can definitely see stories uh being built up here as well and as the end of this as we won't get into it now but you see definitely some uh stories going into it
0: yeah it, i mean it's a bit of an odd finish for me uh, at the time i wrote odd finish when it happened it, it, it basically sting cleans house and Arn and pillman get counted out after sting's thrown them both out of the ring to have Sting and Flair win the match via count-out, so that, that, that kind of felt a bit anticlimactic, a bit strange. But then they announced that they're facing each other, those four guys are facing each other again in a rematch of this at Halloween Havoc. So then I think, okay, that does make sense then, because you don't want to have a, 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 de- a decisive finish on TV if they're doing it on the pay-per-view. But at that moment, I wasn't aware that was going to happen at Halloween Havoc. So it really felt like an odd finish.
1: Yeah, um, the exact same as you. So I, I wrote that down and then I was halfway right through writing that down. And then when it was uh, revealed that they have a future batch, I stopped writing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that's something that we've kind of come across WCW quite often here with, with our watchback in that yeah. stuff is on the pay-per-view, but we're not being told.
1: Yeah, I've seen that definitely uh, within this. Um, yeah,
0: 100%. I mean, the whole thing about sting the other week he was the guy who who basically told everyone that luger is facing meng and savage is facing kamala on the pay-per-view i didn't know that was booked until sting brought it up in a, in a, in a promo and here we are getting told oh yeah these guys are, are having a rematch at halloween havoc that's news to us as well it's not very well it's not very clear what's going on at halloween havoc other than the hogan stuff for me
1: yeah, I mean, it's all about promoting that match. I mean, uh, just in, I think in the, the uh, each episode, there's like two promos hyping it each. Mm. And it's just like, okay, but where else is there going to be on the card?
0: <laughs> yeah, no, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. So, yeah, I mean, we get a bit of a an exchange between Sting and Flair. So, Sting basically saying he wanted to see if he could trust Flair. Uh, and it, flair showed a lot of heart and that's why he came down to help him so i don't quite know what it would have taken for sting not to help him it doesn't quite I, I, add up
1: no it really doesn't but what i found most interesting was the uh, commentators uh, reactions as well when uh, sting was uh, basically endorsing rick flair you could hear eric bischoff and bobby heenan and um Mongo just say Oh, what's he doing? Oh, is he sure about that? Was he making a mistake? Things like that. So yeah, it's um it's definitely about building the story.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that, and that's effectively the end of the show again, Danny, isn't it? That's kind of where we go off air, I believe.
1: Yeah, but it is. Yeah, so we'll be back here next week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I suppose we better have a little check on our o brothers and our woos for this forty-five minutes of crazy.
1: Woo! Brother, 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 brothers, brother. Woo!
0: Brother. Um, do you want to go first or second, Danny? Um, I'll let you go first this time, sir. Okay, mate. We'll start with the woos. Uh, the woo for me this week, the positive thing for me this week was the Chris Benoit-Eddie Guerrero match. That was the highlight of the show by an absolute mile. I loved it. What about yourself, my friend?
1: Definitely the same. It was a split between that or the Sting Pop at the end. So, oh, yeah. yeah,
0: good shite, good shite, yeah. Yeah. What was your old brother, si? <laughs> Uh Hogan's promo. It, it was just nonsense. It was just absolutely just garbage. I mean, he spoke for he spoke for a couple of minutes and i've got no idea about anything he said now bear in mind i was trying to take notes at whilst watching this so i've actually got a way of making notes writing stuff down in front of me to remind me of what he said and i am still none the wiser as to what he's on about
1: No, i definitely feel that
0: what's yours then bud
1: Uh, 100% the same. I mean, uh, it was just ridiculous, wasn't it? Just, I'm like you. I mean, it would have been the finish of the main event had, as we explained before, had that uh, conclusion not been revealed about the pay-per-view match. But yeah, it was definitely the Hulk promo.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I suppose lastly then, as an overall episode of Nitro, as an overall episode of a wrestling television program, uh, where do we rate this one? Hit, miss or middling? I'm going with a hit this time, shockingly, because no, I agree.
1: There wasn't, uh, there wasn't too much uh, bad on it. There was more good than bad, definitely. What would you say, sir?
0: No, I agree. I agree. It's a hit for me. Uh, the the Hogan, uh, I understand Hogan and the Giant and the Dungeon of Doom and so on has its place. It's main eventing the pay per view. They spent a lot of money on the monster truck sort of uh, spectacular they're going to have there as well. So they've got to promote it. I appreciate that. In previous episodes of Nitro, it's been too much. Here, I understand they're promoting their their pay-per-view and Hogan. There was enough of it. They didn't go too far. And we had some great wrestling as well. So for me, yeah, it's, it's a hit as well, Danny. Brilliant. Yeah, lovely stuff. Hey, look at that. All positive, happy WCW for once. (laughs) I wonder how long this will last. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to guess not long. Um, (laughs) Before I let you go, my friend, do you want to just let everybody know whereabouts on the interwebs you can be tracked down?
1: Well, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Scottish Struggler. You can hear me on One Man's Meat podcast with the great Chris Bellis. You can hear me on A Changing Attitude with the great Mags, Orientana. And, and you can hear me here with the great Cy Powell, where I'll be next week.
0: Oh, I don't know about great. I don't know about... You're very kind. You're very kind. <laughs> Just remind us of your Twitter handle there, Danny, so everyone can chuck your follow and find links to your shows. Oh, yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Scottish Juggler. Go and chuck Danny a follow. He says he's Scottish. I still think it's a gimmick, but we'll go along with it. Keep kayfabe. Um, <laughs> <out>. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at SJP Words, and you can find my group on Facebook, SJP, all the shows and info. From there, you get links to all the content I'm involved in, whether that's the waiting room that's coming back very soon. Season two, will be, we've started recording season two now. Uh, Quantum Leap Podcast I do with Benny you have the Doctor Who pod I do with our good friend Dan Griffin flying through that as well really enjoying looking at old Doctor Who with him and then we of course Chain Wrestling live on a Monday night and the podcast version comes out later in the week as well at Chain Wrestling there on Twitter but you can find links to all of that just by simply searching for me because I share it all over the place anyway at SJP Words on Twitter but most importantly you can find this show nitro knights your wcw rewatch program at nitro underscore Nights on twitter and facebook check us a follow get involved let us know what you think about the show what you think about wcw whether you're watching along with us or not would be very interesting y- your thoughts on how we're how we're sort of progressing along in 95 what you're looking forward to in the future what you're kind of dreading us hitting it would be very interesting to hear from you all okay danny once again thank you so so much my friend
1: thank you I'm looking forward to next week yes
0: yes I know what happens next week I am not anyway (laughs) thank you again Danny and to everyone else as always thank you for listening